Welcome to Reactive. This is episode number something. Uh, yep. <laughs> we've been doing a lot of these now. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I am <laughs> uh, and I am here with Khalil. Hello. And I'm, you know, uh, Rockbot, Raquel. Um, and yeah, it's been a little while. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's, <laughs> That's right. It's... It's only January eighteenth, so it's fine, even though. It's <clears throat> oh, by the way, been, I it was yeah. uh, I had um, my birthday was on the on the eighth. On the eighth! Oh my goodness! And belated happy birthday! Yes, thank you. <clears throat> oh, goodness, I'm sorry we we missed it. What? Well, how how would you know? I never said I anything. I, I mean, it's true. It, yeah. It's okay. It's it's okay. Who cares? Did you did you have like a did you do anything to celebrate? Um, we uh, I just had, we just had a little get together with my family last weekend. Nice. My parents were over and stuff. And we had some cake. And, <laughs> you know. But cake. other than that, no. <clears throat> no. Okay. I, I liked all my uh, congratulations on Facebook. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I don't think we're Facebook friends. Are we Facebook friends? Uh, I don't think so. Because I think okay, in we that case you would have known. That's true. I would have. Well, then again, I don't know about that because I, don't I don't go that. on Facebook very much anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been uh, given given current American politics. I've uh, turned off Facebook and most of Twitter, so I <laughs> don't actually know what's happening in the world anymore. That's definitely a healthy like thing it. to do. By the yeah. way, uh, we didn't we didn't say hello to our third guest, uh, host. Who is right? Uh, not uh, here. Yes. So <clears throat> Henning, Henning is is out today, um, which is too bad. Out and uh, about. Out, ab- he's out, out and about. He's out and about. I yes. mean, like the thing is, we can't tell everybody about all of the like you know top secret awesome things that he's doing. Yeah. Uh, right now, but you know, just just so you know, he's keeping our 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 globe safe. You know our, our yes. planet, yes. Because he's yeah. he's he's international, so he doesn't care about one any specific country. He's I think just... he's even interuniversal. Like he's, he's oh not, really? Yeah, not only this universe. He's also taking care of some other ones. Okay, uh, now. Yeah. See, sometimes you just have to rein in that evil Henning on the in, from the other universe. You know, with the with the twirly beard. Right, right. <laughs> so Henning and his twirly beard. Okay, one day I'm going to meet Henning in person, and I'm going to be like, where is your twirly beard? <laughs> no, that's evil's Henning, twirly beard. Oh, You know, like I the see, evil, evil always has yes. that beard, so that you know yes. it's evil. Okay, okay, that's how you know that that's the evil one. Okay, yes. good. Of course. Good. Okay, well, then I'm going to be very careful about which, you know. So yeah, just look out for the beard. I walk into a room. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. All right, well, Henning, continue your battle against evil Henning. Um, and we will hopefully chat with you next week. <laughs> this is serious. Yes. This is serious business. If you, if you, yeah, yeah. We, maybe, we don't know if he comes back. Maybe next week, Evil Henning's taking over the our universe oh, no. and he's part of the podcast suddenly. That'd be really That'd bad. Be terrible. Henning, do your job. Keep Evil Henning away. That's, That's right. not how this works. Right. Okay. Only, only good Henning's allowed on this podcast. <laughs> I'm yep. just going to write a sign, and that way <clears throat> the bad one will stay out. That's right. We put it on the front of our podcast. That's right. Yep. Yep. 
Good. I've got a hammer so, and nail ready. Do okay. we have an appropriate um, animal for this? Um, uh, appropriate? Case? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't know which which animal to choose, so I literally wrote uh, went onto Google and was like random animal, um, and I found a random animal generator, and it Amazing. popped up uh, a a lizard called the basilisk. Um, what? And the basilisk. It's a. Okay. <laughs> um, it is also called a bloomed. Uh, oh, sorry, a plumed or double crested basilisk. But its amazing ability to run on water gives this species the most recognizable moniker, the Jesus Christ lizard. <laughs> okay. So, um, they're from they're from Central America. They they are they exist uh, between southern Mexico to Panama. Um, they spend their time in trees. And they're never far from water. Um, wow! When they when they feel threatened, they can drop from a tree into the water and sprint upright about five feet, which is about a meter and a half per second across the surface. Wow, that's cool. So they can go a meter and a half per second on water, which is, you know, pretty cool. Uh, they're part of the iguana family. And they grow to about two feet or 61 centimeters in length. Um, uh, let's see. And they're omnivores. They survive on a diet of plant material, insects, fruit, and small vertebrates. Hmm. Um, yeah. They have natural predators like snakes and birds. So there you go. Yeah. Cool. The basilisk, and if you actually, if you look at a picture of this thing, it's really funky looking. It's like, what is that? Um, hmm. So, random animal has nothing to do with where heading is right now. Well, or maybe, or or does it? Or I don't know. Th- yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. So that's our animal of the week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good, but animal. oh my goodness, <laughs> it's been it's there's been so much stuff going on. I kind of, gosh, all right, where do we even start? Okay, where where do we start? What do you want to tackle? Um, well, um, I'm going to be in Austria next week. Yes. So, um, I'm going to be speaking at a cross Vienna JS, uh, React Vienna, and Angular Vienna uh, meetup. Oh, uh, next next week. So that's going to be really fun. Cool. Um, I'm going to do a, a fun like what's really hilarious is I'm going to be coming off of an airplane, going to my hotel, hopefully taking a nap and then waking up and doing this meetup. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> and then the next morning I'm heading off to Linz and I'm going to like kind of wander around Linz. And then uh, so, so I'm going to be doing the meetups on the Wednesday night, the 25th of January. Mm-hmm. And then on the 27th of January, I'll be speaking at ScriptConf, um, which will be really, really fun. And then, and then I'm going skiing. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm most looking forward to that. <laughs> 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 I cannot That's wait to go skiing in the Austrian yes. Alps. Um, yeah. But awesome. for everybody who comes to either the meetup or the conference, I have special Austrian wombat stickers. Ooh. These are the coolest, cutest things ever. I am so excited to share them with everybody. Um, so, uh, yeah, I may actually include a picture in the show notes if I can, if I can figure out how to do that. Um, it'll be really, really cool. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, you'll love it. It's pretty great. But cool. uh, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that. Um, so you know, if you want to come down to Austria and hang out with me, Khalil, that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid I won't be able to make it. But uh, which is uh, very sad, but yeah. that's what it is. I, what I, do? I understand. I'm definitely. I uh, understand. I'm definitely jealous. Like Linz, I really enjoyed Linz when I was there last yeah. time. It was a beautiful city. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. Vienna, anyway. Like Vienna is one of my favorite cities in Europe mm. too. It's really great. I'm really excited. I've never been to Vienna, so that's going to be really fun. Awesome. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful city. <clears throat> yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, um, do you know what you're going to talk about already? Um, did, you, did you talk yeah, about that I'm, already? Or? Uh, no, so so in Vienna, I'm going to uh, give a, a demo in um, of, of NPM. Like I'm, I'm basically going to do a very similar talk to what I did in Singapore of like tips and mm -hmm. tricks for mm -hmm. NPM. But the real twist is I'm going to attempt to do it in Deutschisch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, for for our, our our listener friends who don't speak any German um, is kind of a cross between German and English. It's it's like the Spanglish but for for German. Um, cool. It's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. And then in Linz, I'll be talking about kind of the evolution of different aspects of the NPM website. So talking about how the design has changed, how our technical decisions have changed, um, how we've gone from having a super huge mono repo of Doom and split it up into services, um, and how we've decided to kind of like bring React into the mix, what, what different frameworks we've been playing with, uh, all sorts of those things. Because I think that's a, a big question that a lot of people have, like how do you even... Because one thing is for certain, right? In any instance of of an application that you're building, it's going to change over time. And knowing when to make those decisions and what types of decisions people make, I think is always really uh, interesting and educational. So yeah. I'll be sharing some of those things um, uh, from what we've done at NPM. So that'll be really fun. Nice. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just have to finish writing it. <laughs> Details. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can just do it right in, right before your nap in Vienna. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to be working on it all through the next several days. <laughs> so don't worry about that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> what's on what's on your plate? What's what's been happening? What's what's new and exciting? Uh, so, well, let's let's see. We have a, I have a bunch of links that I put into our uh, Trello here. Uh, oh. Trello, Trello has been sold to Atlassian. Did you hear about yes, that? Yes, I did. Yay. I did. I have a friend who works at Trello, and she was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, really? Cool. <laughs> Atlassian just bought us. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. <clears throat> yeah, um, I, I've seen that there's a lot of people that are pretty cynical about uh, about it because you know, like the, that's a very uh, that's a very uh, cool thing to do. Is like when some you know when you, when a startup gets bought that you kind of uh, expect that it's going to die. And, um, mm -hmm. but from, from what they've been writing, I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, I think that there's definitely a trend that has that, you know, you could see uh, over the last big acquisitions like Instagram, WhatsApp, like the Facebook acquisitions basically, but also the Twitter acquisitions where basically startups are being bought and then they just 
they get a little bit they get more resources but <clears throat> they don't try to do what what a lot of um uh, companies have tried to do in the past where they try to int where they try to kind of combine the technologies and stuff like that where you have two two completely different tech stacks and, and engineering teams and stuff like that and this like this just dies halfway always and in these cases they just they buy those companies because they want they want the um, they want the access to 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 the users basically and the attention but the only way how to keep that access to have that access is to keep those companies running and keep the book going and from what the CEO or whoever wrote that blog post on Trello said is that it's uh they're just gonna they're just gonna get some resources from Atlassian and then of course they're gonna try to do some integrations but mostly mostly it's about you know growing Trello and and making it even better and stuff so i, I i'm yeah i i don't think i also don't think that the from the you know the background of these companies like Trello and what they the company they sprung out of that that they would do such a such a deal because Trello was profitable since a while already they took a little bit of funding like mm -hmm. i think five million or something like that and then really quickly became profitable and um so the, it's not like they really had to sell or anything like that so and and from <clears throat> from 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 like yeah From what I know from those pe people, I like I would never think that they would do a deal where they just everybody wants to cash out and everybody's gone. They they like what they're doing and they're trying to grow it. So I think it's good news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think so too. I, I definitely think so too. I think I think, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, what I think is really interesting is is watching the ecosystem of startups changing over time, right? Like mm -hmm. we're seeing so many different companies getting acquired, but then other companies struggling. And mm -hmm. so like, for example, Medium just cut 50 people from their yeah. staff mm -hmm. because they realized that, you know what, this isn't, we're not going in the direction that we need to be going right now. We need to kind of change directions and switch gears, which means that the people that we have right now are not necessarily the people who are going to help us. Like their skill set is not necessarily what we need right now to move us in the direction that we need to go. Mm. Um, and that's always tough. That is always super, super, super tough. That is, yep. I do not begrudge anybody that decision um, because, you know, the thing is when you let people go as a company, it's not necessarily always about Hey, we we hate you. Get out, right? It's it. I would say most of the time it's really not that at all. Most of the time it's something that's just like, hey, we need a certain a specific set of skills to take the uh, uh, <laughs> the the speech from Taken. Um, and and sometimes it's a lot easier to to just hire for those skills than to try to you know I, I don't know maybe retrain or something like that. I mean like getting somebody who does marketing to suddenly start coding is really mm. hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. It seems like they don't, uh, so they, their plan was kind of to revolutionize pub publishing somehow with like different business models. And uh, so far it has not been working out so far. They mm -hmm. just made a great product. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I think the product is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so far the best writing experience um, 
in, in the web browser so far ever. And, um, and it's also a great reading experience and the flexibility like that you can create your own publication and just, you know, because I run my blog over that and it's just cool. Like, it's fun. So I, I really like the product. And, but, of course, somehow they have to make money. And the question is how. And they are trying. They just don't, they don't want to just slap ads on, on, you know, people's content because they um, all are all very aware that this is a model that's going to die sooner or later because it just doesn't work. Right now it just works because ad networks still make money because for some reason they can still sell that to companies because they because they still think that impressions or whatever, you know, is works or I don't know, like it's totally weird but it, it's bound to to definitely to die somehow mm -hmm. or to deteriorate somehow. So it's not this is not the future of making money online <clears throat> mm -hmm. and they want to from from they want to do some sort of revenue sharing um with authors and but i don't i just don't know how they want to like how advertising is going to happen there is it's going to be sponsored posts it's going to be like twitter where you have like sponsored medium posts in your medium stream when you go through you know your the newest posts in the read whatever section or whatever i don't know <clears throat> so but they're yeah for some reason they, they haven't figured that out they fired i think sales people and stuff sales and marketing people uh, mm -hmm. and they're going to finally figure out how to do the the whole monetizing thing the, th the thing is like they they raised like tons of money so mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so in, so in order to kind of uh make that all work I don't know what has to happen. It definitely, it could, it could definitely get really weird <laughs> at some mm -hmm. point when they don't figure out how to make money properly, and then it's going to be like Twitter yeah. where they go public, and then it just becomes a weird product. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we will see. We yeah. will <clears throat> see. <laughs> D D David Heinemeyer Hansen from Thirty Seven, no, from uh, Basecamp. He wrote a, a, a cool article because Basecamp they also moved their Signal versus Noise blog, which is a really great blog, uh, over to Medium uh, a while ago, and they really love it, and they really love the distribution that you get on on Medium. They get much higher distribution than they had on their own hosted page and or blog, and um, uh, and they already had high traffic. It's just you know, just much more traffic, basically, much more reads and everything. So they're really happy with it, and they really love the writing experience as well. And it, it works for them. And he was just—he is like a huge. He's just like a huge opponent to this whole uh, Silicon Valley uh, venture capital kind of startup y stuff where you t you raise lots of money and then after five years you try to figure out how to make money back and then somehow die or you know like you get sold off and then die at this other company and it's not it's not a real um it's not a company that or it's not a strategy like bootstrap companies that brute they bootstrap and then make money and try just to be a good company for as long as they can or something like that. So he was writing this blog post which was pretty fun to read and and, uh, and so because he thinks that it's, it's basically it's going to go downhill from, from from there basically. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I also wrote some a post by one of the investors um, 
who said that who had of course much brighter outlook but you never know <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's all a perception game anyway um <laughs> uh, totally. <clears throat> yeah anything can happen i i, I mm -hmm. think I, i would be very sad if medium would go you know pear-shaped so mm -hmm. i hope i hope that yeah. they figure something out we'll see totally totally um so uh and then and then we have you know really big 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 tech company news which is um yahoo is losing its ceo uh marissa meyer is is uh putting it has put in her notice mm -hmm. basically that she yeah. will be stepping down as ceo and uh yahoo well yahoo in and of itself will still exist i think the company is going to be called altaba or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um which should be yeah so <laughs> i don't i don't know how that's supposed to work but okay mm -hmm. um it, i think it's going to be i think that'll be interesting i mean, yahoo has has had a very interesting history over the last several years um and i think i don't know I don't know what to expect, really. I just think it's going to be really interesting. It's a stupid name. Why, why, Altaba, why, yes. Yeah, why rename it? Like, Yahoo was fine. I don't know. I know. Well, because Alibaba, probably. Okay. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We are, we are, we have moved past the, the realm of, of my general understanding and into the realm of how even does this work. <laughs> yeah. I get it's so. just like a zombie company that's just going to be like handed around mm -hmm. now like and everybody's mm -hmm. going to milk it to whatever extent they can and that's that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. <clears throat> so. So it's basically Altaba is base is basically uh Yahoo's zombie name. <laughs> <clears throat> so did you hear that Tom Dale uh joined LinkedIn? Yeah. I want to know how that happened. <laughs> that seems like uh, it was such... at first. I, I, I was I was trying. I was checking the date. I was like, "Is it April 1st? What's going on?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, for listeners who don't know who Tom Dale is, he's the uh, one of the co-creators of Ember, um, and yeah. so that's a uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting move. <clears throat> it's an interesting move, but uh, when you read the post that he uh, that he wrote, it's also understandable because basically uh, LinkedIn is paying him to work on Ember because LinkedIn is a big Ember user, and apparently they're they're building something already or have something already that's built in Ember or are building something big in Ember, and uh, they just want him to. They they want him to help them, you know, make Ember better and make it better for them, but of course, make it better for everybody as well. And they apparently believe in what what Tom Dale and Yehuda Katz believe in, or the Ember team believes in, and how Ember should be growing or should be improving and stuff. And and it's it's really the first time that a bigger company is taking this step. Like a big invest, making a big investment into into Ember. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like Angular has Google in the back, React has Facebook yeah. in the back. Now Ember 
will have to some extent have LinkedIn um, right. <clears throat> as a support. Where he he also made that point in the post where he said that before 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 this point before he's he was joining LinkedIn like they had to be extremely scrappy and mm-hmm. they had to really make the best out of all the resources that they had in order to get to where they are right now mm-hmm. and that he feels that with with the help of LinkedIn that there will be more also more marketing power and you know a mm-hmm. little bit more oomph behind the Ember project Mm-hmm. Which could be a good thing because I think at the same time Ember it will still stay Ember and there is still a lot of uh, you know there is still a lot of companies invested in Ember not just LinkedIn you know compared to Facebook uh, to to React or Angular where it's just the one company but there is a bunch of companies that invest into into the development of Ember but just LinkedIn will be one of the bigger or the biggest one that does it so. Mm-hmm. If um, yeah, it doesn't like Ember does not die if LinkedIn says, "Oh, we don't want to do that anymore." Right? No, totally, totally. I think this, if anything, it it gives Ember a bit more um, support, honestly, mm. which yeah, uh, always a good thing. Although I really hope they fix LinkedIn's mobile app. It is, <laughs> it drives me nuts. Every I mean, like I, I, I <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I I go on probably once a month. Mostly because I have enough, like, people sending, like, there's enough, like, little notifications on there that the little red dot with, like, 10 is in there. And I'm just like, oh, get rid of the little red dot with the number 10 in it. Um, But every single time I go onto the app, every single time, it's like, hey, you should connect your friend to your friends. Like, let us see your address book. And I'm like, no. And they're like, here's how to use the LinkedIn app. And I'm like, I know how to use this app because I've been using it. It's just only once a month because I'm not actively seeking a job. And this isn't my social media platform of choice. So, like, I know how to use it. I just don't care to use it. So stop trying to tell me how to use it. I mean, I'm surprised also the web application is absolutely horrendous and terrible. I'm really surprised at how LinkedIn has been so successful um, with like a terrible product like that. Uh, I mean, I I, th- I think I did find out a little bit about it. There is uh, apparently when they started to invest into making content, which they've been making since a couple of years or so, um, mm-hmm. they had like... You know, big names writing articles uh, there, and and those articles, they uh, got a lot of distribution within LinkedIn. And there's all the recruiters that are paying for you know account like recruiter accounts on LinkedIn. They really, yeah, is they they are a big reason why LinkedIn is working, why it's successful. So I, I guess, but it's still like is that really? So I'm hoping that also. Uh, Tom Dale moving over there that this also means that they're working on some sort of a rework complete rewrite hopefully (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's absolutely it's horrendous it's like mid 90s it's not the greatest yeah but see here you know I have a theory and this Mm -hmm. is this is going to be a totally out of the blue theory but I know a lot of people who are in the like recruiting business or who are actually not even in recruiting they're just not in tech. Mm. I know a lot of people who are not in tech, and I like I think specifically of like one person as a case study who, actually, yeah, I can think of like multiple people 
who refuse to use anything but their BlackBerry phones, mm-hmm. which is funny to me. Like, and like they need to have the keyboard and everything because it's how they interact with the world. But they they don't have Twitter, they don't have Facebook, and honestly, they're all under forty, which is really fascinating to me because I'm like. I grew up with this stuff and it's it's like I live and breathe and die this stuff. And they're just like, I can't get into it. I feel like a total Luddite. And I kind of wonder if LinkedIn has found people are really happy with how things look and feel because it just feels like it's not moving too fast for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. They know, know how it works, right? Yeah, they know how it works and they know what it feels like. And so like if the design were to change on them, like these are the types of people who freak out when, when Gmail changes how it's like the look and feel or mm-hmm. like, you know, like they'll never sign on to Mailbox because, oh my God, that's just totally different. Yeah. I don't know how it works anymore and I'm scared and honestly, I just want to do a good job at work and I don't want to have to spend a full day learning how to use this new email system. Like these are the folks who, who call up technical support and they're like all right wait what button do i click on now Mm -hmm. right and there's nothing wrong with those people they they exist right and we i think i think a lot of times especially those of us who are in tech we kind of forget about those folks because we are not them right we're like like when i call technical support i'm just like look we don't like i've done everything here is explicitly my problem and they're like wait but i have to go through my script and i'm like don't go through the script. <laughs> I know exactly what my problem is. I need you to give me information on how to add my Mac address into your system, right? And they're like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, then let me talk to your manager. And they're like, okay. And then I talk to the manager and they're like, oh yeah, that's a two second thing. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. And then like, and I feel bad, right? But. Those people are there for a reason because there are a lot of users who need that kind of help of just like, yeah. yes, please guide me through how to do this step by step. Oh my God, I'm scared. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe maybe that's why LinkedIn looks the way that it does because yep. its maybe. users actually it's a, want it that way. That's a good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So so maybe you know there's going to be a big surprise coming with the new Ember, LinkedIn Ember app. Everybody's going to be crying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, surprising news. That's funny. <clears throat> I still find it. I still find, <laughs> because there was this meme. There, do you know this LinkedIn meme where like there's this pictures going around where like an animal face like sticking out of something and it's and it says, "I want you to join my LinkedIn network" or something like that. <laughs> and uh, when I saw the title of Tom Dale's blog post, blog post, I was like, it just looks like that meme a little bit. <laughs> I'm joining LinkedIn. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa, okay. All right. Well, yeah. there you go. Um <clears throat> so um also in startup tech news, uh Rethink DB. What happened there? Uh so Rethink DB, they um they wrote a blog post about that for some reason so first of all rethink to be i think failed or as a business or they stopped existing and um mm-hmm. which i i uh, i didn't really um i didn't i didn't see that happening i didn't notice i don't know when that happened but there was a blog post that went around this morning um where one of the people that were that i think a co-founder or something 
he wrote a blog post about why RethinkDB failed. And mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, so they they have they had announced that RethinkDB was shutting down, <clears throat> and that was in October, two thousand. 2016 so that's a while ago mm-hmm. already so mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like a post-mortem or something <clears throat> and he and he wrote this analysis about um that first of all they chose a, a difficult market because because developer tools is is there there's so much happening there's so much open source developer tools for free that people can get for free and mm-hmm. um so it's hard to compete. Like if you want to create a company that makes money in that space, then it's going to be difficult. It's not like a super easy market with lots and you know lots and lots of opportunity. It's it's it can be pretty narrow, and mm-hmm. um, and then he made he was basically telling that story where they <clears throat> they decided for their. Um, database to have specific characteristics they wanted it to be a super um, well done so everything needed to be done per specific specs and it needed to be in- implemented right they wanted uh, it, it to be correct they also wanted it to be simple so they made a lot of um, they worked on a, on a lot of complexity so that the developers who use the the database uh, don't need to do it and Hold on. There was a second. There was a third one. Um, well, I don't know. There was a third one. Anyway, um, so so and now looking back, basically what he has been saying is that he figured out. Okay, so first of all, it was a difficult market. Second of all, it, concentrating on those things that they thought were important took too much time. So they were three years behind all the other databases. And like, for instance, MongoDB, you know, has all this marketing powers, all this investment, and <clears throat> they ran away from them. They also, they also tried to figure out if they should be in, um, have a cloud service, and because it was not going well, they tried to implement a cloud service, and also that didn't really work out. And so he was, he was basically also saying that what they did, so the choices that they made did not really align very well with the choices that the users or the things that the their clients and users wanted because <clears throat> for instance even yeah there was also one thing that they concentrated on which was co- correctness for instance there is this thing where developers tend to t- make performance tests <clears throat> of databases where they just you know they they pump a lot of data into a database and read it out or something like that. And and then they do that with multiple databases to see which one performs better, which is not a good metric to figure out performance in a real-world solution. So they were more concentrating on real-world solutions were trying to uh, to, to educate their market. Uh, but that, did not re- that was also a lot of work and didn't really work out. And um, <clears throat> so, so basically... From reading this article, I kept I kept just re, I just kept seeing that basically they did not they, they they did something that was cool and that they thought was right and, and that was a good product high quality product, but uh, unfortunately the market did not really align with what they were doing and they just kept um, not really looking at that or paying attention to that and that's I think the the biggest reason why it didn't work out and. Um, 
and I could just in this whole post, this is like a theme that keeps repeating. And there were some people today, this morning, that were that were kind of um, saying, making it like an open source problem that it's hard to make money with open source, and kind of mm. emphasizing that in in the tweets. And I thought that was wrong. I don't think that they did not have an opportunity because of open source. I just think that it may, it, it might, it's still not going to be easy. But any, and to, I think that any company that you want to, any company, there's no company that is successful and is and, and has an easy time being successful. Like, they, like it does not, it doesn't, it's not never works easy. I mean, sometimes you luck in that into this place where the thing that you want to build really aligns well with what the people want. Uh, but but mostly it's like you have an idea and you have to and you try to build it and you have to test out if that's really what the market responds to and if not then you have to try something else that you can do or something and you have to find your way and it's not about it's not about just building what you think is right when you really want to make money like when that's the goal then there's this whole other thing which is the market that needs to, where you need to pay a lot of attention to and to, to the dynamics in that market uh, I mean, it's just like any other startup, kind of, and I just, I just mm -hmm. don't think that was right. The, you know, I don't think that. I think it's, it's mixed. Like there is, sure, there is a lot of stuff done for free, um, but there's a lot of people that just make stuff because they love doing it, and it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's nice. It gives them, it gives them exposure and stuff like that. But, but if you want to do, if you want to make money, there's, it just has to be a little bit of a different approach. I don't think that you can, you can just go ahead and say, oh, I want to make this tool because I think it's cool and I think it's, it's right and useful. I'm just going to do it, and take investment and you know convince investors that this is going to be great, and not really look at. If this is really something that people are going, then going to be willing to pay money for, and the problem with this is that the things that and that's also something that came out in the post, the things that those people would have been willing to pay money for are not necessarily the things that you want to build, right? Because you're an open source company, you have certain ideals and you have certain you know ideas of how software is supposed to be, but but that's not what those people necessarily want. You know, and then you have to, I don't know, then that's difficult. You got to find a way through that. Mm -hmm. But that's the, that's kind of the, uh, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah. The. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be really interesting um, moving forward to see how open source turns into money. Um, mm -hmm. Because the thing is like, uh, you know, I, I, last night I, I gave a talk about, um, about, it, it was like the whole top. The whole topic of the meetup was open source and security, and we talked a lot about um, open source and what that means and how to get into it. But the angle I took was npm started out as an open source project and it turned into a company, and uh, a lot yeah. of people were like really angry about that. But at the end of the day, open source needs money. Like yeah. you can't, and and I think that's what we're also seeing with like Ember and LinkedIn and all sorts of other things, like you can't 100% rely on 
the goodwill of people <laughs> um, <laughs> because goodwill will not buy breakfast or dinner. Right. Um, right. And and so like and you need food and housing and water and all of those things in order to be a productive member of an, any open source project. Like I think one of the biggest tr- like difficulties with open source is that it, it tends to land on people who already have all of those things taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um for them to actually contribute to open source, and I think that's wrong. I think I think open source should be something that everybody can contribute to, regardless of whether they are uh, currently employed by somebody else or not, or or what. And um, yeah. and so the idea of hey, you're an open source project, therefore you should never ever make any money ever is mm-hmm. really kind of bogus. Um, and 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 I think that. So, I mean, we could make the argument about, well, should it be a nonprofit versus a for-profit company that ends up handling open source? But I honestly, I don't see anything wrong with a for-profit type of experience. Um, Granted, I'm a little biased because I work for a for-profit company right now. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I think think for-profit means that at the end of the day, you can be congratulated monetarily for all the hard work that you did, whereas nonprofits, at least traditionally, tend to just kind of give you just just enough of what you need to kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are exceptions to all of this. And I know somebody's going to come in and be like, well, the National Football League is a nonprofit organization and those players make so much money. And it's like, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they do their finances at all. But all the nonprofits that I've worked with are basically desperately trying to figure out how on earth do we make any money whatsoever so we can pay people because they need to survive. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no, I think um, I feel really bad for for Rethink DB. I, I know some of the people who work there, and mm. I'm sure they're they're pretty bummed. Um, but yeah. at the same time, it's the Bay Area. I'm sure they've got another thing lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so these things, it, it's a open source is a business, whether you like it or not. It's That's just, a point. <laughs> you know? That's really yeah. the point. You know, yeah. if you want to make money, then you have to treat it as a business. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a fun little project on the side anymore. Yeah. Well, I think if you want it to be popular, you have to treat it like a business. It doesn't even matter if you plan on making money. Like Express, Express did not just happen by accident. Let me tell you, like people really pushed it. Like there's marketing. Marketing has to happen, even if it's an open source project, whether or not there's any money behind it. Um, yeah. You got to get people using your modules and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, but there's, a, there, I mean, there is, I think in open source, there's more than in any other area there's definitely examples where stuff just you know got popular because because that person was a prolific contributor to open source and made you know just built up Mm -hmm. a name for himself and then some things you know spread because Mm -hmm. they were useful and um because of twitter and because of github and because of stars and what the heck but (laughs) but yeah but the big ones i mean the the really big ones um i'm but but look at npm like it also started i mean i isaac was just first right mm. with a, a um, package manager and he wasn't necessarily was first good, right but yeah yeah it was good and um i think i think ultimately him or npm being bundled with node was really what right. kind of sealed the deal 
Um, I know that there were competitors. There were absolutely competitors to NPM Mm -hmm. in the early days. Um, And and arguably there still are, right? Um, But but yeah, uh, there's... There's backroom deals in for-profit, non-profit, and open source <laughs> all the time, right? I, I'm not saying that NPM and, and Node is a backdoor deal. I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, this is actually still just business. It's yeah. all business. It's just different types of business. Anyway. Uh, now, I think um, that there's a, there's a lot of, like, especially in web development and front-end development, there's a lot of open source projects that are very popular and, you know, in pretty big circles or niche kind of developer circles or whatever. And there's, like, a certain vir- virality, virality to to this to certain projects or to like it depends but it's true like as soon as soon as like you really want to reach like the whole world then marketing some marketing um needs to happen especially today i think because it also it just it just keeps i think it just keeps growing and exploding and this whole area is also changing now and Mm -hmm. um yeah but it's an interesting subject and uh there's just a lot of idealism in open source which is great and it and and it works you know for a lot of people because a lot of people just like to program and they make a little thing and some people use it and some somebody sends a pull request and that's you know the best thing ever in the world you know it's Mm -hmm. great and there's collaboration and it's open and all that stuff mm-hmm. yes and now when that mix it and when, now when that mixes up though you know when you make you like okay i'm doing this big project and it's gonna be my f- it's also something that you know my heart beats for like i'm really excited about this i want to do it right and da 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 and i'm going to make this a company now you have might have a problem because there is now this idealism and the thing that you want to do might not really line up even if you put marketing power behind it with what mm-hmm. people really need yeah right yeah so there's always like is especially in open source there's also there's always this thing where it some projects like they gain they they just get popular and then you know an organization forums and there's marketing power behind it now companies come in because they're using it and and then it becomes a business something like Mm -hmm. that 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 happens but there's no yeah there's just always this thing where when you have this area, when you have this place where there's a lot of idealism, and now there needs to be made money needs to be made, then that that can clash with with the realities of making money and stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, I think that th- it's really a like companies hiring people to just work on open source is a really popular model. Like there's mm-hmm. there's been done with Rails as well, um, mm-hmm. and then there seems to be also some efforts for crowdfunding where somebody says hey i'm making this project it is it is a little bit popular and and they try to leverage this this their audience basically or the users of that framework to see if they would be willing to contribute through crowdfunding or something like that so that this author can then take a half a year off or something like that to improve it mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah too. totally <clears throat> yeah. uh yeah yeah, speaking uh, of open source, there is a new project for um, formatting JavaScript code, which I um, which popped up on my radar, which I think is a it's an interesting effort. It's called Prettier, and um, so what it does when you compare it to standard, for instance, 
So it also uses the the same technology that that ESLint uses, which stand, is used by standard, mm-hmm. um, where it, it 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 makes an AST out of your code. It's what's that uh, an abbreviation for again? Uh, syn- uh, abstract syntax tree, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. something. Yeah. It just <laughs> makes it just makes like a big JavaScript or JSON out of your code or something like that. And um, so it takes in your code, it makes this syntax tree. And what's happening with ESLint is that then ESLint goes uh, goes ahead, looks at that code in that syntax tree in that kind of uh, in that kind of machine readable version of of your code and then finds issues with your code and um, and then gives you warnings and then there is I think a formatter that then can go ahead and try to uh, and fix some issues for you this is a different approach where this formatter it just takes it takes your code that you're writing and it doesn't matter how you write it you could just write a huge JavaScript program in just one line. It doesn't care. It could be just one line. You don't mm-hmm. need to use semicolons, nothing. And it's going to make an AST out of it, and then it uses that AST as a basis to generate, to rewrite all your code in a specific format. Mm-hmm. So it's completely... <clears throat> yeah, so it really doesn't matter how you write your code. It just all constantly on the fly corrects it and... And there's just one way of there's just I don't know if you can even configure it. I didn't really read the README, I think, but mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I read an article about. It. But anyway, I don't know if you can configure if, how the code should look or anything like that when when it's formatted. I hope that's not the case. I hope there's just one way how it is, and it's it just just spits out always the same the same kind of formatting of that code, and it's just always works and it always looks exactly the same i think that's a really cool and interesting approach so basically it throws away all the code that you made that you wrote and uses the ast Mm -hmm. as the basis for the new code and just rewrites it that's Mm -hmm. uh, this new code formatter nice yeah i like that because it just uh, it takes a lot of it takes out decisions it makes your code readable and then if, if that is not how you wrote code before, then that just uh, means you have to get used to it. It's the same thing with like with standard that we discussed a couple of times also. Where mm-hmm. It's a very yeah. distinct kind of style and you get used to it and then it's fine. Yeah, but yeah this exactly. Is, yeah, this is just a little bit more bulletproof, you know, mm. which is really definitely rewrites your code, all of it, and fixes hmm. everything. I don't know how well <laughs> it works yet, but I like it. Yeah, Interesting. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, let's see. So we're starting to run out of time. Um, I did want to follow up on one thing. Uh, over the holidays, uh, between our last episode and now, um, I finally got to test drive a Tesla. Ooh. And I was skeptical, but I'm impressed. I'm completely and totally impressed. Mm-hmm. I desperately want one if only it wasn't so horrifically expensive oh my god mm-hmm. um <laughs> i uh so like what i thought was really impressive was that i was on the older model s and mm-hmm. it has um it has what's 
what I basically think of is as like a really fancy cruise control. So you can tell it what speed you want to go and how many cars you want to stay. Like, like so let's say you want to maintain like, um, I'm going to use American. Uh, like, let's say you want to go 60 miles an hour and you want to maintain like seven cars between you and the car in front of you, right? Like, like if you're going that fast, you should have that many cars between you and the next car to be safe. Um, now, what happens is if the car in front of you starts to slow down, maybe because there's a traffic jam or something like that, um, it recognizes that it's less than seven cars, so it starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. And it says, okay, well, you know, we're gonna slow down a little bit. Um, and you can also tell it to change lanes, and and it will it will look to make sure that that everything that the coast is clear, that nothing's happening too ridiculously, and it will it will just go ahead and slide on over into the other lane. And mm-hmm. that was the coolest thing. Um, nice. I think I think if anything, like it was a really smooth ride. It felt totally natural. The mm-hmm. one thing that didn't feel natural was when I turned on the autonomous or the the like fancy cruise control and. It immediately, like there's a little bit of a jerking motion because it puts you exactly in the middle of the lane on the road. So turns out mm. humans don't exactly know where the middle of the lane is. They just kind of, they're just in the lane. And especially if you're in a car that's not too big, you could easily be towards one side or the other and it's fine. But the Tesla, in an, in an effort to be safe and keep everything nice and rigid, it'll just kind of like, jerk you over a you know few inches or a few centimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that feels a little bit weird. But otherwise, I totally trusted it because I'm looking at the, like there's a heads up display and you can see the what it what it thinks the cars are around you. So it'll say, hey, there's a, there's a, a car in front of you and then there's a semi tractor trailer, like a really big truck right next to you. And so like, and it just kind of keeps track of everything. And what I thought was really impressive was that it was keeping track of not only the cars directly in front of you, but the cars directly in front of those cars as well. And so it just really knew what was going on and, and what's what's happening, what's around. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would, I would be very keen to see what else, or like how the actual autonomous driving ends up working out. Apparently they are ready to launch that, but because of some other, like because of regulations and things, it's not ready, ready. But all the hardware is in place. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really excited about it. Um, that said, continuing with the saga of Uber and their autonomous vehicles in San Francisco, they have pulled out entirely uh california shut them down from uh running any autonomous vehicles so i i feel safer walking around san francisco again and (laughs) (laughs) so so we'll see what happens i I think i think that's going to be pretty exciting exciting so yeah isn't there a cheaper tesla coming like a 30,000 or something yes yes so instead of a hundred thousand it's only thirty thousand which you know not Cheap, but cheap, certainly but, yeah. certainly not nearly as expensive. Um, yeah. That should be, according to the uh, the owner advisor <laughs> from Tesla, uh, he said that that they're expecting the first Model Threes to at least be um, 
come out of the factory at the end of 2017. So mm-hmm. it should be, it'll, it'll be a little bit yet, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Pretty excited to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other, like the one kind of negative that I have for the Tesla is that for a $100,000 car, like it's obvious that there's $70,000 worth of technology built mm-hmm. into this car. Like that is really mm-hmm. obvious. But the car in and of itself is not a $30,000 car. Mm-hmm. Like it's a nice BMW. Mm-hmm. It, like like you know like like in terms of the actual car. Like there are some bits that feel a little bit plastic. Uh it just doesn't feel like a $100,000 car. Mm-hmm. Um it certainly doesn't even really feel like a $30,000 car. So mm-hmm. that part's a little it's like mm-hmm. All right, come on, you can do better than this. Um, yeah. yeah, well, it's still in development. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, just a yeah. high cost. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, you're paying for the technology. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't even pretend to like it's it's nothing but you're you're paying for the technology. And uh, I mean, I like the look of the car. It's really sleek. Mm-hmm. I'd be very happy owning one. Um, yeah. Oh my god, it parked itself it's for perfect. me. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so nice. cool. Like you just kind of so drive nice. up. You drive up the the parking lot and like mm-hmm. it, it'll say, "Hey, did you want to park in this spot?" And it's like, "Yes, mm-hmm. park in that spot." And it'll like back up and turn around and then like, and, and it'll it'll actually back into the spot perfectly. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll do the, the perpendicular parking, not just mm-hmm. parallel parking. So I was like, "Oh, that is so cool!" Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, <laughs> cool. <clears throat> So anyway, anyway, all of that, super cool. Um, I want to give a shout out to Berkeley True, who I met at the meetup last night. We had a little mini, mini reactive meetup. Um, mm. So super awesome. Oh, Berkeley and True. Yeah, I just, I just wanted whose name, where I know the name from. He's from the, yes. from the, the chat. I know him from the yes. chat. Yes, yes. He's cool. on our Slack channel and it's really cool. Um, and speaking of which, we have some new, uh, some new Slack members this, uh, it's true. this time around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, remember if you want to join us on our Slack, go visit our show notes. See, there's a, an Insta link in there and you can find our show notes at reactive.audio. Um, That's right. shout outs to Carlos Moreno. Welcome. Yeah. And uh, welcome, Annette Bree. And I think that's it for this week. Um, but yes. Yes. Oh, yes. looks like I said welcome to Carlos Murder like twice. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's Extra it. welcomes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Uh, we're also reactive pod on the Twitters and um, Khalil tweets on Twitter and Henning is at Henning Gladagots on no H H oh sorry <laughs> evil, <laughs> evil H Gladagots <laughs> <laughs> that's right and I'm Rockbot on Twitter and uh, if you can please uh, leave us a, a nice review on iTunes um, it helps other listeners like you learn a bit more about our podcast and and join our you know super clan of listeners um see you on the twitters and see you on the slacks and uh chat with you soon yes and uh have a good flight to uh to the europe's 
Yes. And I don't know. Are, are we yes. going to be? Are you going to check in from from Europe, or does that not work? Um, I don't know. We can check. I mean. I guess I'd be in your time zone, Khalil. Yes, you would. Um, so that would be evening so, time for you. We'll see. So maybe. I might be at the meetup. So we'll see. Yeah, you might be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Um, anyway, uh, if, if anybody's in Austria, make sure you come say hi and we That's can right. like high five and stuff. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mini reactive right. meetup. Cool. Yay. All right. All Bye. right. Bye. <laughs>